This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. New message. Hey, girlfriend, it's Carol from Jury Duty. We never actually spoke, but I saw you ordered the same hoagie as me at lunch. What are the chances? Anywho, I heard you just got a boat. We should totally grab some hoagies and take it out for a spin. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Do I want to feel the wind in my hair? Guilty as charged. <laughs> oh, seriously, let's ride on your boat. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of That Little Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Edition number 25 of the 2021-2022 season. Today, we're going to be previewing in part two, I'll say part two first, our, our trip to Huddersfield on Saturday. And in part one, it's going to be a bit of general chit-chat between myself, Omar, and my regular co-host, Mickey. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, not too bad, fella. Not too bad at all. You? Yeah, not bad. And also, of course, we've got Kai here with us as well. How are you, pal? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, mate. Looking forward to a little bit, a little bit of chatting about Millwall. Yeah, obviously Saturday's coming up as well. Looking forward to that. Um, myself and Kai are going up there on Saturday, uh, so no pressure, Kai. But I'm hoping to see a vlog as well, so um, it should be good fun. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that obviously in part two. But part one is coming up right away. Uh, before you, we leave this part, obviously, be sure to like the video, subscribe if you're new, 
Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, be sure to give us a review. It's always appreciated. And just give general feedback. We always appreciate that. So we'll go into part one now and obviously talk all things more. And welcome to the first part of the show. Uh, guys, I thought what I'd do today is obviously we've got no game to review because there's no midweek game, but I think we can just review the last five, six, seven, ga- eight games in general. Uh, obviously, hot topic at the moment is four four two. Mickey, you weren't with us on Monday show, uh, so to speak, but obviously I just wanted to get your take obviously on Saturday's performance just gone and obviously switching to four four two when we scored two goals, mate. I mean, it's a hot minutes. topic. Hot topic, isn't it? But I mean, I guess it kind of proves... Millwall is a four-four-two club at heart, or I don't know what does it, what does it prove for you anyway? When what did you think of it? I think the problem is is that the players we got playing at the club are of that certain age where they've probably been brought up on four-four-two style, and they know how it works. They know it's proven, um, and it's it, you know especially at home it works. Um, and I think a lot of that is that they just don't get their heads around the other. You know the other formations changing it all over the place because when I grew up there was four four two maybe a couple of other formations but now there seems to be about three hundred and forty seven different formations to play football, um, and and I just I just think that they probably feel comfortable playing four four two and it showed that twenty minutes where they were playing whether or not it's by accident that they had to go four four two but that that twenty minutes or so just lit up the crowd. Was with them. The crowd become the twelfth man. They looked more energized. They looked as if they were ready for it. And, and you know, it just proves the point. You stick the balls into into that area, and someone's going to finish them. I.e. Bradshaw. Are we are we um, overthinking or overplaying the four four two on Saturday? That's what I want to know. I mean, is it a case of it was it was going to happen regardless? Or is it because the formation happened and maybe it's not necessarily the players react to it, but also Kai, you know, Mickey mentioned it there, like the deep-rooted kind of, I suppose in a sense, the DNA of Millwall and recent successful teams have always had this kind of foundation of a 4-4-2. We go back through the generations, you know, it's always been that kind of fixated thing. Obviously, modern football these days, like Mickey said, there's hundreds of different alternatives, hundreds of different ways of playing. But... Is it necessarily the players fed off it or was it maybe the fans brought the players into the kind of game and vice versa? I mean, obviously we was there on Saturday and, you know, the atmosphere was like how Mickey said there, chalk and cheese really, as soon as we kind of went for the game a bit more, wasn't it? Yeah, I think everyone was really excited to see what the what the Millwall team could do as soon as they went to four four two, and they didn't disappoint, did they? They were, you know, they were they were they were getting balls in, they were, you know, they were working the channels, and they just looked really dangerous. So Stoke couldn't deal with us in that 20, 20 25 minute spell. And you go back to Harris when he was in charge, and we we were so successful uh, that season. He, it was a four four two, wasn't it? We had Morrison and Gregory up top, big target man. I know Rowett plays a bit more through the thirds with, um, you know, even with a four four two, trying to get the ball on the ground. But it does it does sort of go back um generations as, as a Millwall fan. Four four two has been, you know, quite a, a regular um you know, formation for us. And you know, Rout's come in and changed that and, and we've had a lot of success, in fairness to him. We've had a lot of success. But, you know, I think it was important on Saturday against Stoke to to turn to that four four two because all of a sudden it just changed the game, changed the uh, dynamics and really lifted the fans off the seats. I kind of want to go a bit more kind of deeper with this, because like obviously we say it and we talk about it on the show and I think, you know, other people have covered it and a lot of people said it online as well, you know, you can't take away that identity of Millwall and whilst you try, managers have tried in the past, they tend to fail. But 
if you in isolation take away that game was still Mickey, you know, one of the form teams in the league. But it's when you look at the home and away form, home before Saturday, I think we was statistically like the 18th best team in the league um, for the last 10 games. You know, it, the form dips, like our form at home hasn't been great. We've lost two at home before Saturday's game. It was, I think it was played six, won two, drawn two, lost two. Whereas when you compare the away form, we've got on paper the third best form in the league where we only lost one game away from home. Obviously, we picked up two wins, four draws. Um, the, the form is really similar and I guess that ultimately lies the kind of conundrum of the formation you know it's good if you play that away from home and you pick up draws here or there you know and get the occasional win and be hard to beat but at home it's not necessarily being hard to beat it's more so taking the game to the opposition isn't it and that's kind of like the catch-22 and I think that's why especially before Saturday's game a lot of fans are kind of disheartened with the way Riot plays at the then. Well it, yeah and the trouble is is that a lot of teams away play at five three, you know, the 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 same formation. So pretty much you're sort of you're playing off each other, you sort of it becomes a stalemate as such, but then all of a sudden when you change it to the four four two, it's suddenly you know, you've got a solid back four line, it's easier to play certain things, easier to get them offside, easier to make the attacks, you've got the, the midfield more free, and it just it just looks for a much better um game of football. It, it, for us, all we want is enjoyable football where you can start shouting about getting excited, getting off your seat, you know, ups and downs and everything else. But some days when you're playing the 5 3 2 or the 3 3 2 1, fucking whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever other position there are, you just, you're just sitting there knowing what's coming. And it's like, I mean, something what you boys picked up on the show, what we put out on the video on the clip is that. There was no corners on Saturday, uh, and that's normally what we're down and out for. It's it's all those set plays. You know, we play to get the set plays to suddenly stick the balls in, and that will be our chance. But on Saturday, it looked as if, you know, especially with a four four two, we swing the ball in, and then there's someone there to finish it, and that's what we've been lacking um, most of the season. Is is those you know those easy finishes for a poacher type striker. Numbers in the box, isn't it? It's like committing yeah. bodies forward, throwing bodies forward, and kind of, I guess, balancing the risk and reward. You know, if you throw more players forward, you might be kind of vulnerable to a counter attack. But at the same time, if you've got more players to build from in the final third, then you've got more options for scoring goals, haven't you, Mickey? I think that's kind of the struggle, isn't it? And it's, I think, Kai, you know, like, like you know, what I'm saying here, like, obviously, the five-two-three we play. There's about seven, eight, nine different teams in the championship that play this formation nowadays as well. And obviously, you look at Chelsea last year winning the Champions League as well. You know, it's kind of, and obviously, England getting to the Euros finals and Italy play the exact same formation as well. Is it an evolving kind of thing of football? And obviously, you know, a lot of clubs are trying to adopt this kind of style of play, aren't they? And it's, it's obviously for Millwall, it's, Millwall fans, it's hard to get their head round. But at the same time, if it's getting results, are, are you what, what side do you sit on? Do you prefer results or do you prefer performances or? Do you want a bit of both? How, how do you kind of, what side do you sit on that one? I guess you want a bit of both, but, you know, mostly you want one results. Um, you know, I think if it's played in the right way, like teams like West Brom do, um, you know, it can be really exciting and, and you can get the wing-backs really high. Sometimes I just question whether we, you know, rush things a bit too much and try and, you know, get it straight up to Bradshaw or Phoebe and therefore, because we, we don't play it through the thirds, the midfield is a little bit 
um, sort of well pointless in a way. If not, if it's you know if they don't play through it, it's sometimes a bit pointless. Or sometimes you know we can we tend to give it into midfield. There's no one running off of it, so they just pass straight back to the defence, who then try and work down the wings. And you know it's very easy as a five to to block that off with the with the other two wing backs being quite high on our two wing backs. So yeah, it depends the way you play. If you play it well and play it right, it, it can work. Um, but you know, and it, it can be exciting, but it's just the way you play it. I mean, you look at the championship right now, right? So you've got teams up there. The top two teams are the best sides, as in the sense of like, you know, Bournemouth and Fulham play back four, but they've also got the players that back it up where, you know, they can get away with playing more players in attacking areas and they go to basically dominate the ball, see teams off and win the game comfortably. But Middlesbrough are a team that play a back five, Kai. Um, you said obviously about West Brom, they play a back five. I think Luton played a back five against us. You know, like these, there's a lot of teams that play this formation. Um, even Stoke, they were matching us up on, on the weekend. They played the same formation. And spoiler alert, on Saturday, Huddersfield played about five as well. Um, why do you think that is, if if you have to try and hazard a guess, Kai? Is that because, like I said, football's evolving? Or is it because you see teams are successful and teams try to emulate it? Or what kind of, you know, why is that a thing nowadays? Um, I think it's evolving, but I think it gives you, I think it's, uh, it's supposed to be supposed to be able to pass the ball around more, isn't it? Because if you can stretch stretch teams down the wings, then you can try and get it in back in and to the strikers. Uh, there's a few obviously different formations. You can play three four three with the two wing backs pushing up high. You can play five three two, five two three. Um, so there's a couple of different ones. Also, the one that I've noticed most of the teams that play five at the back, they tend to put long throws into the box because of their three centre backs. So it's a little bit of a sort of how work how it works works together. You know, if like we have three centre backs, then we're more likely to put long balls into the into the box, especially if we've got Smudge up top, who, you know, that's basically like a fourth big, big, big target man in there. So, you know, I think it could be towards, you know, looking at the sort of winning the ball high and winning the ball in the air and then building from there. But the only thing with a five is that if you've got three big centre backs, you know, if you've got a quick player, quick nippy striker, you're going to struggle because they're going to get it behind. So the wing backs always need almost need to deal with them. So it can it can be successful. It can it can't. Sometimes it's not successful. But I think the reason is I think they've just seen other teams have success with it and therefore tried it. Sheffield United were the first team that I really saw play five at the back, and they got to the Premiership with it, didn't they? And then it sort of started from there. They kind of had more in centre halves either side, and yeah. like the kind of the kind of overlapping centre halves in the sense where you got the wing backs kind of playing the wide areas, and the centre halves are getting into the kind of middle of the park, but also kind of crowding the midfield out. I mean, Mickey, like, is it a case of because I was thinking about this today, and I'm thinking, and I am quite critical of the formation at home, away from home, I'm happy with it. Like I said, you know, the away form is you know superb. I think the third best in the league, like I said, so far this season, um, after the amount of games we've had, um, or it was anyway before Saturday's game. You know, it's it's a team we we're built on being quite solid and hard to beat. Our goal difference is with zero. That's the problem, I think. Yeah. You know, we've got 15 goals, which is if you look at the teams in and around us, it's the least in the league. You know, you obviously go to the bottom of the table, and yeah, of course, like you know, Barnsley, Hull, Derby, that you know, Cardiff, they're struggling for goals, but they're down the bottom of the table. Whereas somehow we've got a goal difference of zero, but we're still in and around it, but we've got the least amount of goals up there. Is it a case of the formation stops us creating more chances than goals? Or is it, you know, if we scored 25 goals at this point instead of 15 goals, would we still have the same criticism of the setup? Is it, you know, have we had many chances either to score goals? I don't think we have. And that's why I think I don't like the formation personally at home because it limits us going forward. We don't have as much creativity and we rely on Jed a lot of it as well. Whereas you see Saturday, we went to a back four and we got more attacking players. Jed wasn't involved in either goal. Do you know what I mean? Like, where do you kind of sit on that? And is it a case of 
we're just not scored enough, and that's what we're really upset about, not necessarily the formation. Yeah, it's probably a bit it's probably a touch of all of that, to be fair. Um it's definitely a touch of we're not scoring enough. Um, but then I honestly think that a formation is stopping us getting in that final third to be able to put the chance in. I mean, some games we can get in, you know, we can get in behind them because some days we can get right down the wing, they sort of leave open and we can get down the left or the right wing. We we seem to be able to bring in, but the shots we do, they're, they're chance shots rather than, you know, like what Saturday with Poacher, you know, they, they, that was a typical striker position where Brad was, and he proved it. It was one from the left, one from the right, both, or one from the left, one from, one from the right, one from the left, whichever way first. But, they they were simple goals what any striker worth his his weight will get. Um we don't and, get those chances in games aside from counterattacks either, do we? But whereas no. that, they weren't counterattacks I mean, two chances, they were the I mean, numbers was, flying forward, weren't they? Yeah, and I mean it was something something what was said on Wall Talk with Neil Harris, where Neil Harris was asked about his record and he's like, you know, I don't think someone I don't think anyone's really gonna beat my record for a while because You've got to be, you know, realistically, you've got to be scoring 20 goals a season for, you know, six, seven, eight seasons. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you've got to be there longer and, and, and score more. And I don't think we've got anyone at the moment who who's going to be scoring them. And I think a lot of that's down to the formation. A lot of that's down to the fact that we're not getting chances. But if you look at Gary Rowick's coaching tips on that coaching site we found the other week, where we were looking... The way he wants to play, the way he was teaching those players to play through midfield, we're not necessarily playing like that. But if that's what he's trying to get the players to do, then I think that will open us up. Rather than hesitating where you want to put the ball to, it's basically, look, get ready, there's a ball, run, pass, run, pass. And it's very fast passing football, um, which is very, very continental. It's very Italian, very Spanish you know, they like to play with a football on the ground. And I think for tradition, we've we've played differently over here in England. We've played traditionally hard tackling, you know, big centre-back football. Um, and we're trying to evolve, like, you know, like I said. And I think that's the problem is that are we evolving now to young? I mean, I think the younger players coming through probably play more easily in that, that formation but the guys were, you know, twenty-five upwards, probably not necessarily into that that new way of playing. Um, mm-hmm. But England, you know, England, the younger players seem to be playing fine. It's just the older players where, you know, maybe it's a lot harder for them to to be able to fit into that formation. When, you know, I suppose it's like anything. If you've been trained a certain way, and then all of a sudden you're asked to do it slightly different, it's going to take you a while. And whether or not you'll you'll be able to fulfill it that you don't know do you well yeah i mean it's, it's i just think we because the criticism is always we want to be entertained kai you know we we've not been entertained saturday was entertaining wasn't it it was up and out um and for what i know as mill size from since the early 2000s when i started going obviously cause i'm a bit younger than mickey no offense mickey um you know i've not had any anything the exciting mill performances aren't necessarily the pretty football but it's where it's like up and at them, get the ball into the final third, then play your football there. That's what Neil Harris always said, like when he was the manager, you know, get up to Morrison, play off that, get the likes of Jed into the game in the f- further up the pitch instead of them sitting deep and, you know, not really affecting the game. Whereas with Rowett, it's more of a kind of counter-attacking, you know, transitional kind of thing where get the ball quickly forward up the pitch. Um, 
I kind of think like I, I, I want to talk about earlier, like I said, I, I don't know if it's the formation I'm bothered about. It's more so the lack of numbers committing forwards. And it's with that, like that's probably what it is. It's like we've not really when we say we want to be entertained, do we actually just want to celebrate goals and enjoy the football? Because when you're sitting at home games and you don't score many goals, you know, at home this season, we've only scored eight goals in seven games. Like that's not entertaining. That's not fun to watch. You know what I mean? It's, and there's also a couple of games in there where we've not scored at all at home, which happens. But where we were under Neil Harris, you know, we go into the game thinking we're going to score a couple to that home, especially when we're up for it. You can tell when the side's up for it. Whereas with Rowett's size, it's more kind of you get the same consistent performances with the formation, if that makes sense. Yeah, we, we almost grow into the game, don't we? Mm. We sort of struggle. We, we tend to always struggle early on and then, you know, grow into it and, and, and then look the superior team. And I think that's what it is with attacking football. We need to sort of try and see if we can get, get, that, get on the ball a little bit more and look to control possession because we've got the players to do it. Um, no, I do believe we've got the players to do it. So, yeah, if we can do that, it will improve. And I'll, actually, I wanted to ask you two, I was, I, was, I was talking to my granddad about this today and we were just asked, talking about Manchester City as, a, as an example. And funny enough, we were talking about Harry Kane and saying how Harry Kane hasn't scored many goals this year. But if he was at City, we think he would have scored many, many more goals. And my granddad even went to the fact that saying if Bob Farson was in that City team, he thinks he would score goals because of the amount of chances that City create. You know, is, is that something that, you know, it, it's about creating chances, isn't it? I think I'm a shit footballer, right? I'm I'm below below even Sunday league level, right? But I think even I would get five goals in Man City's team and put them on set on the penalties, and then hopefully I'd score at least a couple that way. <laughs> so, you know, but I think um, it's true. Bodfast probably would score in a Man City team because it's a team full of yeah. you know outstanding players. But I guess the players like Harry Kane are when it comes to the big occasion, there's only one chance in the game. That's when you'd hope you back him to score it if that makes sense. Yeah. So. I think that's probably why Bodfarson plays for Millwall or doesn't even play for Millwall anymore. He doesn't get into the team or the squad. But yeah, it's true. Like, you know, it's. It, I just think it's the lack of um, bodies getting forward, Kai. That's what bothers yeah. me the most. And obviously when you're under pressure, you expect your wing back to tuck in, help the centre-halves out and kind of sit back. But I think it's too much where when we get the ball as well, like in the first half on Saturday, when we done the lock, Kai, it's Evans was getting caned, wasn't he, in the first half. But it's because he kept getting the ball and tries to play over the top. And it was kept, you know, either over here or it just it wasn't getting down to the right areas, was it? And I think it's maybe that's it's also a bugbear of mine where there's no pattern of play for this middle team. You, you know, there's no identity to the style of play. It's obvious we've had three centre halves on the pitch. We play two wing backs. I like to get forwards, and then obviously you got Jed up front. But for me, the pattern of play is give the ball to Jed, hope Jed does something good, and that's not an an, an ideal and practical thing to carry through a whole season. I think it's kind of you do you don't see any identities this middle team that says that's Gary Rowett's middle team if that makes sense. No, and I think you know we need to get Ojo into the game a bit more because um, we saw what he could do, and I don't think Ojo's game is technically you know necessarily um, winning duels. I mean, obviously you want you want players to win duels, um, and, and, and you know you want them to win tackles, but I think Ojo's game is very much up the up the up, up you know the the right side of the pitch and and looking to to create chances. You know, you know, in the opposition's half. So we need to get the get get him on the ball, get him on the ball wide, and look for him to put balls in. Whether Smith's in the box, with a phobia or Bradshaw in the box, you know, depending on who's in the box, you want you know maybe with Smith, you want ball in the air with a phobia or Bradshaw, you want the ball along the ground, and you know, and try and attack the players, attack that their team down the wings, and then get the balls into the box. I think that's the way we probably try and break teams down rather than you know trying to get it to Jed and then Jed creates on it because it's very easy for the opposition to then mark him out of the game. And we don't have another another player with Ojo. 
And, you know, with I think Leonard was excellent in the second half the other day. When he, as soon as he looked, went into the midfield, you know, not only did they have Jed Nojo on the wings, they had Leonard driving with them, you know, driving at, the, at them with the ball. And he could have gone either way. He could have gone to Ojo, he could have gone to Jed, he could have gone to, even could have slotted Bradshaw through the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's so much more, there's so many more. When there's more bodies forward and we break quicker, we look a lot stronger and a lot more dangerous. I think it's also, yeah, break quicker, but also you throw bodies forward. I think Leonard was brilliant, like you said, on Saturday when he got into midfield because he committed to go forward and took the ball and travelled with it as well. And maybe our midfielders, when it's Savile and Evans, they don't do that enough because Evans is not, Evans is is uh, gets the ball to his feet and tries to make a pass and use his strength to beat players. He's not going to carry the ball 30, 40 yards like Leonard does. And I mean, Mitchell at times did that as well on Saturday when he got the chance to. Um, it'd be interesting to see what kind of setup he goes for on Saturday. I'm sure we'll talk about that in part two. But I, I don't know. I think we've kind of covered that enough, haven't we? I mean, it's it's just obviously a, a hot topic, isn't it, at the moment, Mickey? You know, is it a case of do we do we is it the formation at fault or is it maybe just you know we've not scored enough and gone forward with it? But maybe we're not scoring enough because of the formation. It's catch twenty two, isn't it? And you're on mute. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> We welcome, Mickey. Welcome. Hello, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Just call me Neil Warner. Oh no, sorry, wrong show. Um, yeah. <laughs> um I it is a tricky one because when we played the right formation, we scored two goals really easily. Um and it was easy, wasn't it? It, yeah, it made, we yeah, made it, it look was. easy anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was but, you know. it looked easy yeah. and it looked as if you know, if we'd have kept playing like that for the rest of the game, we probably could have scored another two or three. Um, so I don't know. I think Gary wants attacking football, and I think that's what he's aiming to do. If you look at the coaching sessions on that coaching website, what he did, it looks as if he wants attacking football, he wants fast, free flowing football, which to be fair in a championship would work because there ain't many teams, you know, the top one, or when Fulham come. It, it was very fast-moving football, and that's what you want. You know, you want that sort of level, and you'll be able to take people apart. But at the moment, I don't know. It's probably getting there, but at the moment, we're just not having enough chances. And, um, yeah, it's it's it. But I think, we, you know, the four four two debate um, will go on forever and a day, mate. You'll rumble on. This is my point, right? Three, two, one, fucking six, seven, nine, four. And clubs and, have and identities. You look at Arsenal, it's, you know, Arsene Wenger put a stamp on Arsenal where it's did good he? to see football. Yeah, of course he did. And then also, you go back, George Graham, the one nil to the Arsenal song stemmed from that, you know, one nil, Arsenal shut up shop and they see the game out. But, you know, like I said, Wenger, it was a, you know, more continental style football came in, kind of changed it a little bit. Um, and then you think of Chelsea teams with Jose Mourinho in charge. It was Joe Cole on the right. It was Lampard in the middle, Drogba up front. There was like an identity to that team of a 4-3-3. You, you see this formation straight away. Ferguson, 4-4-2. Solskjaer, Sheringham, York, Cole up front. Nat Van Nistelrooy and Rooney more recent times. Um, I think with Millwall, like, we kind of cling on to them memorable moments. Sheridan and Cascarino up front. Harris and Moody up front. Then you go fast forward. It's a Morrison and Harris up front. Then it's Gregory and Morrison up front. It's always because there's a focal two point up front, isn't there, Kaya? And I think that's like, it's hard then for Mill fans to not think of them good times, especially when the football at home is drab to watch and there's not a lot of entertainment going on, is there? 
No, definitely. And I think it can be, you know, sometimes sometimes a little bit hard to watch. And you know, sometimes we don't go as, we don't, we're not as attacking as I'd like. And I just, I wonder, I don't know, I, I don't know what you guys, what you two think of this, but um, obviously in the middle, uh, you know, backroom staff, we have every, I think most of the coaches are all defensive. They were all def- yeah, ex-defensive yeah. players. So I just wonder whether maybe it might be a good idea to bring in an attacking, um, attacking coach or something, you know, some. I mentioned him yesterday, but I mentioned him yesterday. But just something to give us a little bit of a different dimension. I wonder. It'd be interesting to see how big good old Steve gets on at the weekend with Cardiff City. I think um, I'm intrigued to see how he does there. A bit of an off tangent thing, but I hope he does. You know, well, gets a crack, fair crack of the whip because you know they're away at Stoke, and obviously we saw Stoke on Saturday. Um, mm. It'd be interesting to see how Steve Morrison gets him firing at Cardiff because obviously he's got a couple of games to prove himself, I suppose. No, oh, 100%. You know, look, let's let's leave the 4 for 2 say there. I, look, I wish Steve all the best in the world. I fucking can't stand Cardiff, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, but... To finish, you know, to finish Kai's point, though, thing. I think we was always linked with Kevin Phillips because Kevin Phillips was a coach yeah. at um, Derby with Wright, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. he then went to Stoke, maybe, or Birmingham. He, he was involved with Wright a couple of times at a couple of clubs. And in the summer, it was like, when that coaching advertising was there, everyone was thinking, well, I did anyway. Kevin Phillips might have a yeah. fair shout-out to get the job. Um, Paul Robson got it. Maybe Ken Phillips wasn't interested, and I don't know what he's doing now himself anyway. But maybe we do need a striking coach. But at the same time, I don't know. Is that because Harris was a striker? Yeah, he knew what he wanted from his old Millwall teams when he was a player. Maybe that's why he worked on Morris and Gregory as much as he did. The same reason why maybe our defenders look the best players now because Gary Rout was a defender. Maybe that is a trait that you know does carry through in football. I suppose, isn't it? Definitely. Well, they rec- yeah, they reckon as well, don't they? The worst. The worst people in football, the worst people who are managers are strikers because they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're the worst managers as such because they're just, you know, setting their ways. They're just how it is. But that is interesting. You know, like, it's an interesting thought that because, like, also, I think, was Mark Robbins a striker? I can't remember. He's, he's obviously the Coventry manager and he is quite successful. But when you think of like the top level managers, if they are players, Guardiola's a midfielder mm-hmm. when they're back in his day, wasn't he? Um, it is interesting, like obviously, and from a wall point of view, K Jacket was a midfielder. Maybe midfielders are mm. the best sort of managers out there. For, you know, I don't know. But look, if you if, if you've got any connection, is in football, you're a football man or whatever. Then yeah, no doubt TT would get on this one. But um, what makes the best manager? Is it defence midfield, or is it a, a, a striker who you know who or are is the, it the, the best 15... managers? Is it the ten to fifteen thousand that sit in the den on Saturdays? Yeah. I think we're the best managers. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> yeah. just, go, just go to a Millwall forum, mate, and you'll see all the armchair managers there, mate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Go on, Kai. We're sorry. What, what position did Oli Gunnar Solskjaer play? He's a striker. There we go. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tony Sheridan tried to be a manager. He was yeah. a striker. He failed. Before we would like, I've got a couple of things before we end. Go on to Huddersfield and keep it on Huddersfield. Did you see the um the QPR offside rule? Oh yeah, unbelievable decision was that it? was bad. That yeah, and cool. and the fact that Middlesbrough won on the back of that. I mean, that was just. I mean, the trouble is, there's nothing. What can be done about it after the game? I think it was, it was about six yards out, wasn't it, to paint the picture? Yeah, um, and you've got the ball bounces off to the attacker, but then it goes to the other attacker who tucks it away. Um, but at the time, you've got the defender who's about two yards from the goal line and the goalkeeper yeah. is also in between it as well. And um, it was handball. 
Yeah, and it was nowhere near offside at all. No. Um, and it's a poor decision. And you're right, I suppose maybe that's an argument to have VAR in the championship or below. I, I don't know. I, I don't we've think got, I'd enjoy that. In in the championship, we've got Hawkeye. Goal line to look in, Yeah, if you look in if you look on the top of the east stand in the middle, you'll see there's about thirty there's a little box, funny shaped box in the middle with loads of cameras, which does Hawkeye. So they they've got the goal technology to see if the ball crosses the line, like what they use at Wimbledon and obviously at cricket. Um, but I don't really want VAR. I think until we get it done, unless we're going to do it like they do in Australia, um, where everything's mic'd up and they're telling you what they're doing and everything else, then it's just... When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. What's the copay for my eye exam? How much is my lens allowance? What kind of frames can I get? And most importantly, who accepts my vision insurance? Vision insurance can be confusing. Luckily, Pearl Vision can help you make sense of it. They offer a wide selection of state-of-the-art lenses and brand name frames. Plus, they work with all major vision plans, including iMed. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today. So time-consuming. At the, at the Euros, it was really good because it was just quite fast-flowing. They didn't necessarily stop the game for hours on end. But for some reason in the Prem, they just seemed to you know, stop the game and it could be an extra 10 minutes worth of fucking VAR decision. I think they're getting better, right? I'm for the technology, but then as yeah. a fan that goes to the games, I'm not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, isn't isn't football about, I mean, look, I've, you know, hard done by QPR, yes. If it was us, fucking hell, we'd be screaming blue murder. But isn't that what football's all about? Those decisions where you know yeah. that you were robbed. But it yeah. was, you know, the cup games, the FA Cup, where someone's won off fucking someone's arm, what should have been a handball. Look at Lampard's goal, what wasn't a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone could see it in the stadium that it was a goal. Yet, no goal. Like a Maradona. But yeah, well, Maradona's just a cunt, but yeah. <laughs> um, it was a good footballer, but it was still a cunt. Still um, iconic. You're right. These moments, even though they're contentious, are still yeah. iconic. And instead of going to the games and then talking about debatable decisions afterwards in the pub, we're talking about yeah. the VAR instead. And I, I, my biggest yeah. fear was we wouldn't even have anything to talk about. But I suppose we've still got yeah. something to talk about when VAR does get it wrong because it's still an opinion. It's still no. not clear as day, black and white, especially you know with when it's looking back at red cards or fouls. No. But when it comes to offside, obviously, you've got the advantage of like kind of slowing it down and drawing the lines on the floor. I guess maybe if I think VAR now, maybe I, if I hindsight, it'd be nice for VAR just be purely for the black and white decisions. Whereas yeah. when it comes to a, um, a an incident where it's maybe a red card or not, maybe the referee can just see the replay himself and not be yeah. advised anyone in his ears. And maybe it's just up to him to decide, I've made one decision, do I change it myself? Yeah. I don't know. Instead, when you see them go to the TV booth nowadays in the corner, when they've made a decision and they're told to go there, they always change their minds. It's because obviously they're told, go and look at it. And that's kind of implying already that they've made the wrong decision. But I'm a fan of VAR, I think, but it's tough. If you've not not seen the Australian way, um, have a look. If I can find a link, I'll I'll put it on the show notes on this. But go have a look at the 
at the Australian way they do it and see if if that would be the way you want. I mean, it's it's everything's mic'd up. It's it's very say, very that's... descriptive. It's it's a it's a great way to watch because you know what's going on, mm. um, why they make the decision and everything else about it, which is great because the problem now is that you know the referee could make a decision for whatever reason mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily see it in the stand. But if you were having the mic and you know, you knew what was going on. I mean, obviously, I don't think, you know, you probably get those little mic things you get at rugby or... Um, I'm or sure we can get stuff. the channel that they have between themselves. They all communicate, don't they? The linos and the referees and stuff because they have like that. That's as, a challenge. They, they wear. That's a challenge. But, what's that? Is that a challenge? Should we find a scanner and take it to the ground and see if That'd we can be get great. on their but frequency? Like... <laughs> but it would be yeah, I'm interesting because I agree with you. The Australian ref is now in the football league. He's trying to make his name yeah, that's in, right, in, yeah. in the UK on these channels because that mm. video that went viral when he was like talking to referee, uh, talking to the players, yeah. it'd be interesting to hear what they say. But I think it's more so they do it because they don't want to broadcast what the referees are talking about and what mm. they. But they should, or even after the game, just the referee comes out and explains why he made the decision he did. But this has been debated a few times before. But mm. it is definitely like one for debate and one for the future. It wouldn't surprise me for the neutral watching on TV on Sky on a Sunday afternoon. They probably will end up putting the um, referees like You'll be able chat to watch out it there. When You'll but be able it, to watch uh, it with chat. I'm not a big rugby fan. I love watching it when the World Cup's on and the rugby union's on. And it is mm. nice to hear what the referees say and what's going on. It is good to kind of see them mic'd up and you can hear what they're saying and what they're thinking when they make a decision, especially when they go to their video assistant referee as well. So it's good when you're there, when you're at Twickenham and you can hear the mic. You know, you mm-hmm. can you 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 have the mic in your ear and you can hear the decision when you don't know, you know, you don't see a penalty or you don't see something's happened. But when you've got it on the on the earpiece, you can go, especially if you've got someone with you. I mean, I've I've done loads of hospitality stuff at um at Twickenham with customers and stuff. And there's always a guy there who's banging to his rugby. He's always got the earpiece and he's telling everyone what's going on. Oh, yeah, it's because of this blower. And it makes it a little bit that you know what's going on and stuff. But yeah, one more thing before we move on to Huddersfield. And I'll take your opinion. I'll take your views on it. Yeah. Um, Ty MFC um, or Tay MFC um, on, uh, on, on Twitter yesterday. Went or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Went and watched um, West Ham. I know you're doing the 92 clubs or the 72 clubs. I understand that, but if you're a Millwall fan, you do not go to our rival and our biggest rival across history. And you'd have to be a fucking mumpty not to know it is West Ham. And why would you one go watch a game at West Ham and give that fucking scummy cunts even a pound as you were legend it was? And two, why would you post it across your website, you know, across your Twitter handle um, and all that? And you can come out and print all the pictures you want of showing you in a Millwall shirt with Arsenal shorts on um, and show that you've been on the pitch and everything else. That's great. But you're either Millwall solely or you're not Millwall, you support football. There is no, you know, we're not, to me personally, I don't think we're a group of fans what have, two football clubs. I know there's some who might have a European club and Millwall and Rangers as such, but you're not one of these who go, oh yeah, Millwall's my championship club, but I've got this club as my premiership club. That's just not how supporting Millwall works, is it? Well, yeah. I mean, to them, let's talk about it as well. I don't know. It is... It is a debatable one. I think a lot of people are into ground hopping, ain't they, nowadays, like you said, and going to the 92 grounds and stuff like that. It It is an interesting one, I think. It's a contentious one. I don't know what you think, Kai. 
to be fair, if I'm going to when I do, I do. I mean, I, I like to go and watch Just football be careful, matches. Because but... you could be edited straight off now if you say the wrong thing. If you mention <laughs> that you'll go to West Ham, I will withdraw you straight off. <laughs> I will not say we'll go to West Ham. Absolutely never. Um, no, what I was going to say is that I don't mind going to a, a, a you know a non-league like a, a Bromley. Uh, love going to. a have a little watch of Bromley just because it's my my local team, like you know, just down the road. Um, but I wouldn't wouldn't probably pro- wouldn't probably go to a, I guess another Championship, even League One, League Two, or Premier League just for fun. You know what I mean? No, I mean going to non-league is great. You know, look, Fisher Fisher FC round the corner, you get discount with your with your season ticket there, being a Millwall fan and whatnot. So yeah, look, that's great. And and Fisher's a great local club. Um, same as Bromley. Bromley's got loads of ex Millwall players there. It's a good local club. Going on league is not the same as going to West Ham. No, I agree, definitely. And I mean, I know years ago, if you speak to the older generation, you know, 55, 60 year old upwards who've been going Millwall, they, you know, and even Nick's spoken about it where, you know, you'll go Millwall when they're at home because a lot of the time back then, a lot, a lot of the younger kids never went away from home. So you'd have Millwall on one Saturday, Charlton or Palace on the next Saturday, hence where the, the reputation of the rivalry between them because. Then you add, you know, you'll go Chelsea, you'll go Charlton this Saturday because Millwall were away, and then Millwall's at home the following week, so you'll go Millwall. So you'll get to see football every week, but it's all local. And I can understand that because that's how, how it was. But then it's streamed and it's and it and you become Millwall. And yes, you might follow other teams as in see what their results are, but there is no way in a million years that I'll go, yeah, okay, you might go hospitality, and I would not go to to West Ham, I've got customers who are fucking box holders at West Ham and keep joking. Oh, you're really inviting? No, I'm not going. No, I, I would not set foot in a taxpayer-funded stadium, um, purely simply because it is who it is. Um, us as Millwall, we don't fucking... Well, we look at the shit when we done Friday Night Live and I had a fucking a burgundy fucking jumper on, um, sweatshirt jacket jumper on, and I got ruined for that. So, no, I just... I. I wouldn't go to West Ham myself. Personally, I wouldn't go right. to I wouldn't go to any any you know probably I wouldn't go to any League Two, League One, Championship or Premier League club apart from if I'm going to watch Millwall there. Obviously, obviously Huddersfield on Saturday is different, but only if only if we're following Millwall. I'd never go to a game, a neutral game without. Millwall and I wouldn't there. I wouldn't get into the debate. You know, I mean, look, you get in there going, oh well, I, you know, you call me not a Millwall fan. I am here, here, here. Stop digging yourself a fucking old fella. Just leave it alone. Ignore it. It will go away. But the more you keep fucking poking, hmm. the more the Millwall fans are going to fucking round you up. And you're just going to dig yourself out for no reason. If you went for a pound, fair enough, you went for a pound. But why the fuck tell everyone about it? I couldn't give a fuck if you're filling out your 92. Who gives a fuck? Fill out your 92 by going around following Millwall. It takes longer, but at least you get to see new games. I mean, Kai, you been to Huddersfield before? No, I've never been no, to Huddersfield, so, so, so you're taking off a... You're ticking off the ground on Saturday what you're going to for the first time, right? Yeah. There you go. On the board, there's a tick. Do you know what? You're not going to get the tick for West Ham unless we get them in a cup game. <laughs> right? And that's as, that's as simple as that. No, you, next you, season when we get West Ham away. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it will, it will, we will get there, but I just don't agree with fucking... Everything nowadays is about likes and fucking... Oh, look at me. He probably just wants a bit of fucking claim and see if he can get on the thing. One more thing before we go. I have to say it because it's fucking driving me mad, right? Mm. Football Weekly. What's it called? Football League Weekly. Football League World. 
Yeah, Football League World. There we go. It's, it's an FLW. Fucking lazy wankers will be the right, right <laughs> word in them. But yeah, right. They are part of a, of a media organisation, right? And they tried to do... They're the same people that done the Football Contents Awards and all that, where Millwall was up for fucking everything and anything. Um, and they had some great categories. Mill were in there. The charity was in there. Nick Hart was on there. You know, fucking our, our, our mentor, we went on and then we'd done our show from back of, you know, him. You've got fucking Fatty from fucking YouTube. You've got all of them who were up for awards on there, right? Got nothing. Well, they come to us a, 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 what, a month and a half, two months ago, wanting to do a, a, a Millwall special with us. And Kai said, have a look at them. See what they've been writing so much negative stuff about us for clickbait through the booing and everything else that they fucking ruined us on their stories or their, or their, their reporters playing a team. But it would be as if we weren't actually playing that game because everything was written about the opposition team and fuck all about us. Um, and then they put something out today with a video that looks as if it's about four weeks old talking how shit we're playing when, you know, it's all different and, and Jed's going to leave us and, and he's doing this and we're doing that. They're just thingy. So, look, I'm really sorry that the guys who are up for awards didn't get an award because you are deserving of an award. You, you know, you're, you're great at what you do. But I just, you know, they, they fucking ruined us in the press the last six months or so and, and it was no surprise really that you didn't get it. But, you know what, onwards and onwards and upwards, mate. And um, I think the people who actually matter and listen to your shows respect and, and understand what you do. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, I quite like that fucking lazy bastards. The fucking lazy wankers. That, that, that's got a nice ring to it. You've done that um, off the cuff as well, unless you thought about it before you came on today. When no, I didn't actually. It was just FLW. is just sticking in my head and I just went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I am quite quick some days, mate. Other days I'm just a lazy fat cunt. But, yeah. Nice. Well. I think that's the end of part one, isn't it? I think so. I think right. I've upset uh, upset a lot of people there. So, yeah, there we go. But, cool. Yeah. We're back in a second after this, and we'll be talking all about Saturday's away game at not the Galfram, not the John Smith Stadium, the Kelly Stadium now. And that's at Huddersfield Town. Back shortly. It's the Kirkless Stadium. Either way, stadium sponsors... Not a big fan of it. What do you reckon, Kai? Don't like it myself. No, I do. I, I didn't even know it was called the Kirkless. I, I still call it this. Uh, I wrote when I wrote the blog for the newsletter this week. I, I put the St jo- uh, John Smith Stadium. So yeah, yeah I, so I, I called the Gal Farm from when I first went to it many years ago. It's like it's football. Like, yeah, they change all the time, don't they? It's where the money is. There's any way to sell the rights. I mean, what would the appropriate sponsor be for Millwall? I don't know. The Husky, the Husky, the Husky Den, Husky Den, the Carlsberg <laughs> Den. I was going to go with um... probably the best football team in the world. Yeah, you uh, could have that then, couldn't you? The Carlsberg Den would be quite. I wouldn't mind that one. The Carlsberg Den at a push, or the Stella Den, the, the Artois yeah. Den. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a theme to my ones. It's nothing to do with the fact that I drink beer probably too much, but yeah. <laughs> or the London yeah. Gin Den. The London Gin Den. Yeah, I oh. uh, personally for me, I, your home is your home. You know, you think yeah. of the Den. You know, even the Emirates being called the Emirates, I can tolerate because that's what helped them build that stadium. But, you know, it, it, it's better to have your home name be where you're, you know, what your, t- your ground is called, really, I think, personally. You look the at stadiums now called the leasing. What is it called? The the leasing you, stadium? No, no, no. Be careful. Get the right name. Get the right name for it now. What's it called? I think it's something like the leasing hire vehicle 
rental yeah. service. Shut up. Is it, really? it is, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I'm going to check this one second. Reading, Reading, Reading. Um, Standings, Reading. This is great yeah, airtime. So, you know, one of you help me fill it in for me whilst I, I verify yeah, this yeah. for you. I've just looked and they've got the. Um, it, 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 it works with Huddersfield. Um, the. Um, what's it called? It's called the Reach's Reach Data Unit, which is um, done the cost of football projects carried out. And it's yep. basically rated Huddersfield as the joint second cheapest season tickets in the championship. Nice niche. Reading's home and, stadium uh, is yeah. called the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Unbelievable. There you go. Wow. There you go. See? That's just wrong. If you're a Reading fan, what are you thinking when you see that? I don't know. Even when, um, like, Bet365 Stadium, it was Stoke. Anyway, enough of that anyway. Let's talk a bit about Saturday's game, chaps. And obviously, we're going to the Galfram Stadium on Saturday, Kai. Look forward to it? Buzzing. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, four wins out of five. We're, we're on a really good run of form and hopefully we can make it five out of six. That's it. Four wins out of five. Third place in the form table after the last ten. Looking like we're meaning business. It's inevitable we're going to go all the way up there and watch us lose 1-0 in the last minute. But, um, nah, I'm looking forward to it too. You know, Huddersfield's a uh, similar sort of team. You know, they were in good form earlier. In the season, they like they still find themselves like like us on twenty one points, similar sort of record as well. One goal difference, scored eighteen though, um, a bit more than us, three more, and conceded seventeen. Last time out, they lost three 0 against Bournemouth. We all know what Bournemouth's about, and we've got Bournemouth coming in a few weeks' time, haven't we? To the Den, so it's going to be a tough game when that pops up. Uh, but it's going to be a tricky game, Mick, isn't it? And hopefully, we can go there and, like Kai said, be positive, maybe get the three points we're all desperately wanting. Yeah, I think we get it. I think we're. I, I I think it's all about being positive, and um, I've been positive the last two games, and we got the results, and um, and uh, I think we're going to go do it again. I think we're going to go out there, and I think we're going to go two nil. Wow, straight up the prediction as well, mate. I love yeah, it. I think the, the the thing is, right, we're all positive. This is where like we were talking about in the first part of the show. Set up, formation. If the manager sets the team up in a positive fashion, Kai, that's the key here, isn't it? But we're away from home also, so maybe we do need to edge our way into the game and it might lend it to that. It's it's the catch-22, but we're done talking about that anyway. Um, but it'd be a tricky place to go, Huddersfield. I thought at first, early in the season, they were really struggling. Uh, but they seem to get a good little run of form together before they played Bournemouth. And I'm pretty sure they'll be keen to avenge that on Saturday against us. Definitely. They've, they've had a week off like us to you know rest tired legs, get their players back. And, you know, we've got a couple of players coming back ourselves. I think Mason Bennett could potentially be in the squad. I've read they he took out some light training earlier in the week. George Saville is back after his one-match ban. Bennett Kofobi is back after not being able to face Stoke. I think the only, only injury uh, will be George Evans, I think. Is that if I'm right in saying? I think... Uh, sideline, sidelined until potentially after the international break. Another international break. Can you believe it? Um, but no, looking forward to looking forward to Saturday. And I think I think he probably will play a five. But after you know our performance the other day and show you know what Ojo showed he could do and Jed, you know both sides. Even if we do play a five, I don't think you know I think we've got the we've, we've got the attacking quality to to break teams down anyway. Definitely. I mean, Huddersfield's always been a tricky place to go for us in general. Obviously, we had them in the playoffs about, what, 10, 11 years ago when we went there and we got a nil-nil draw, beat them at the Den, that famous night when Morrison and Robertson scored. In recent times, it's not been the greatest of hunting grounds. I, I can't remember the last time we won up there. Um, it's something I should probably have to hand at the moment. Last season. Did we win it there last season? Okay. No, Malone, Malone's gone. Uh, last season's gone. That memory <laughs> last season's gone. But before that, as in going to the games, 
Last season doesn't exist. For me, it doesn't exist. <laughs> the guru it doesn't exist. I'm <laughs> doing the protection league, Omar. I don't do the Prediction League anymore. I don't know about. Um, last season uh, doesn't exist in my memory. And if you not <laughs> count that as your as in in, the, in your memory, then fair play. I just count Mr. Penalty as well, didn't he? Yes, that was it. Okay. Yeah, no, that was the memory. <laughs> but um, Kai is the middle stato during COVID. So I, don't, I don't count COVID. Don't count Omar, do you remember who brought him down? No, I don't. Thompson. Oh, there you go. Oh, when he slips in the box. It was a yeah. rainy night, 1-0 win away from home. Yeah. We did win 1-0 away from home when Ryan Leonard played right centre-half and got injured afterwards. That's right. Yes, you see. I remember it. I just I don't like to talk, I don't, I don't talk about COVID <laughs> times. Anyway, in general... We're going to have a new feature soon. It's going to be battle of the, the football brains between these two, I think. <laughs> I there's, think that'd be a great there's a, there's a new YouTube video coming, mate. I'm going to make questions and I'm going to put it to them and see what they can do. So, uh, yeah, definitely... Anyway, danger men for um, Huddersfield I've always looked out for. Lewis O'Brien in midfield, decent midfielder, yeah. always highly rated in championship standards. Um, obviously up front, Josh Caroma, uh, ex-Leighton Orient, ex-New Cross boy, by the way. You know, he's local to the area. One that slipped through Mill's radar, I think, there with Josh Caroma. And could have been interesting if we got him and ourselves. Um, but he's always lively. Scored against us last season during COVID times at the Den, if I'm not mistaken, Kai. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and yeah, he three did, yeah. nil that day, didn't we? Three nil. That's right. Oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. He's back. <laughs> yeah. no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah right. all right. There you go. Yeah. So you see, it's, it's, welcome. It's in the score is now one all. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, Danny Ward's been a better around this uh, level for a while. Tom Lee's at the back. You know, it, it's going to be a tricky game. Uh, obviously, Louis, Levi Colwell's on loan from um, from Chelsea as well. Harry Toffolo, ex Mill player, left back. Um, so it'd be interesting what to expect from this Huddersfield team. I'm not sure, but I think it. I think hopefully the workman-like mill performance where we edge our way into the game might prevail. Um, and I'm hopeful we can get a good result out there, Kai. Mickey says 2-0. Go on, give me your prediction, mate. I'll go slightly uh, more reserved 1-0. Nice. Uh, okay. I think it's going to be a late winner. I think we're probably going to frustrate Huddersfield and then, you know, nick it, nick it, nick it, you know, for five minutes to go. I think, I don't think a phobia will start on Saturday after Bradshaw's scored two. I reckon I'm going to back him off the bench, back him to come off the bench and and, and score the winner. Just to prove my point, right? In one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In eight visits to the Gal Farm, we've only won once, and that was last season. Before that was James Henry scoring the last minute we raced away from goal in 2009. James Henry. Remember that name? What, yeah. I remember He's it well. I think won. it was the... He's the one who got thrown in front of the police dog by Alan Dunn, wasn't he? It was, yeah. We literally last kick of the game, we managed to win that game. And then before that, we've only won at the Gulf Farm twice. You know what I mean? So it's a tricky place to go. But, you know, omens are there to be broken. I'm going to agree with Kai's prediction because that was what I was thinking. So I'm not going to change it because he said it. I think 1-0. And I also think it'll be a late winner. I'm going to say Jake Cooper. And, uh, Outside yeah, the box with a, with, a, with, a, with a left foot strike. Or... Rocket shot. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a little rich, rich vein of form of scoring goals after the last away game. So... You know, Lightning might strike twice. Uh, strike, Jonathan Ross over here. <laughs> Lightning might strike twice. You never know. Go on, Mickey. It's you want to say something? Say it. It's on, today. I fuck up. It's today, isn't it? But yeah. it's great. Oh, it's you know, bad. we don't pretend to be professional. We do fuck up. Omar's proven that many times. I'm blaming today. my dog. She's sitting yeah. on my lap. She's putting me off. There you go. I'm blaming my dog. Welcome to Willow. <laughs> Hello, Willow. Hello, Willow. Start the hashtag. <laughs> Hello, <Yeah>. Willow. <laughs> <laughs> Just confuse every fucker. I bet, I bet if you did try to start that, everyone would be going, oh, it's Buffy. 
<laughs> there's a remix of Buffy. <laughs> there's yeah, Buffy coming. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I don't think Kai. I think that Kai that one over Kai said that one. No, I don't know. My daughter's 14 and she's just got back. She's got into uh, Buffy and Angel. So she's not watching it. Buffy was a vampire teen drama from. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No? Yeah, from, from the no. 90s, 90 odd something. It I never really watched it. Same sort of time as Friends. Sort of I've never watched Friends. Really? I've, I've tried to get into it. I missed it. I missed the boat with friends. But I'm more up to like modern ones. Like I watch. Uh, you probably don't know. I've, I've watched. I'm currently watching Modern Family. Okay. Yeah. yeah of what about um, How I Met Your Mother? That's very good. Iconic. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, Superstore. Yeah. Mm, you watch that one? I want to watch a little bit of a general Netflix and Amazon talk here. I want to watch Ted Lasso. You seen Ted Lasso? Oh you yeah. Got for it. That's the only problem, isn't it? No. Have you no. Hmm. I've got Amazon Prime, so uh, it's on Apple. <laughs> um, Apple, you, you, that's it. Sorry, yeah, you um, you, you, yeah, you have to do it. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, pur- purple helps you. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what yeah, purple is. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, but no, what I mean, TTKK. I tell you what, I just watched. We watched a little while ago. Me and my missus watched was um, Sex Education. That was quite funny. Mm-hmm. The new thing that was quite yeah. funny. Ted Lasso. I've seen. I've seen about. I think I've seen one series or, or uh, half a dozen episodes of that, and it was all right. I'll get Apple on my on my phone. Um, that was all right. Well, I mean, yeah, there are there are some good shows out there, but yeah, it's it's, it's finding them, I suppose. But yeah, watch the space. Dream team. <laughs> Dream I like a soap. I like a soap. That's that's my problem. I like a yeah, soap. Yeah, so. yeah. Harchester, fucking... United, Harchester United, my favourite team. Do you know? Do you know who Harchester United is? Nah, I've never heard of it. Oh my god! Right, no, Kai, Kai, you yeah. need to go on YouTube and yeah. search Dream Team and yeah. start watching it because Harchester United play at the best stadium in the world. Mm-hmm. Is it then? It, it, it was a Sky doc. It was a Sky film. Sky show. Why, why have I right seen words? that? Um, I don't know, mate. It's, it's a great show. You probably was about one when it was aired on TV. Oh, well, I don't even think it, I don't even think it was probably born. Because <laughs> you were born in '95, weren't you, Omar? When were you born? '95, yeah. Yeah. So, Omar, when were you born? Kai. Kai, even. <laughs> when were you born? Two thousand three. Fucking hell, yeah. No, no you probably I wasn't even born. I mean, on TV. Why, you said you haven't you haven't watched Friends. You've got to watch an episode at least of Friends. I've never seen Star Wars. From start to finish, I've never watched like, Harry Potter or Star Wars, anything like that. I don't that. like Star Wars. I like Harry or, Potter or Lord like of the Wars. Rings. No, I've never watched that. Yeah. So, from uh, start to finish. If, so yeah. If you've enjoyed this section, maybe we can do a bonus podcast talking about TV shows. But I think we should. You know, see what just, the interaction yeah. is like on that yeah. one. <laughs> tell us, tell us what to watch on uh, on Netflix, Prime, and Amazon, and uh, maybe we can watch it. Just one thing before we I've never heard of. Films. I've never, I've never heard of Netflix. What's Netflix? <laughs> oh, fuck off. My kids did actually. <laughs> Netflix, uh, there you go, right? Um, just a quick question. Is Breaking Bad that good? Didn't like it really. Mm. I've never no. watched it. I don't know. And it's the same it, as Peaky Blinders. I want to get I into that. As literally well, but... stole the words out of my mouth. I was the same with Peaky Blinders. Didn't like it either, really. Uh, it was good, Peaky Blinders. You literally I don't know how you went on the same tangent as me there. I was literally about to go, didn't really like Peaky Blinders either. It was good, but it wasn't worth the hype, if that makes sense. So there you I've go. got into a couple of it and I didn't really get into it, but I can watch Peaky Blinder clips and go on a YouTube rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really, really 
you know, see loads of different ones, and it's great there. But actually, watching it as a film, maybe it gets better watching it as a series. Maybe it gets better a few, you know, good few episodes in. But yeah, same as Breaking Bad. It was like I watched about six or seven in, and it just really didn't didn't really get into it. Have you watched um, the Three Fair Streets? The night, the something of Fair Street, or I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah, there's Fair Street 1994. Or something. That's it. Fair yeah. Street, I haven't watched yeah. that. But you you lot missed Nightmare on Elm Street. Don't know it is. No, See? I've never heard of that. Freddy yeah. Krueger. One, two, Freddy's going to get you. I've heard that, Three, but I don't know where it's from. Better, better lock the door. I think I'm going to be... I want to be the adjudicator here and say call time on Mill does uh, Mill that Mill podcast does Gobble Yeah, Box. yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll, be back soon. we'll be back soon with a bit more bonus features and bonus content. Maybe we'll put it on our Patreon <laughs> 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 or our, um, whatever ones are the pay subscriptions. Yeah, put it, we'll put it on our Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be the way, there for you now. We don't have any of them, but yeah, just, just you know, don't We've worry. Got TikTok though, full, so that's different, yeah, isn't it? The full, the full unedited version will be up for patrons tonight. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, the the edited version will be up tomorrow for you normal peasants. Monthly membership of five hundred pounds and a yeah. box of jelly deals. Uh. <laughs> Don't forget. Don't forget. We do a live chat where you can chop chump me and give me yeah. some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Right. Anyway, we're going to call it there, guys. As always, thank you so much for watching and tuning in today. If you're listening on audio, be sure to leave us a review. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe if you're new. Um, I mean, we don't normally talk about TV shows, but if you've enjoyed that, like I said. Let us know. Um, and tell us what your favourite box set is. Something to binge. Ooh, there you box go. Box set. Christ, I don't even know what a fucking box set is. Yeah. Was your VHS is, Kai? No. Uh, uh, what uh, about cool. Peter Max? We'll go, we'll go in here. No. <laughs> have you seen <laughs> Only Fools and Horses? No. Oh, no, I have. Yes. Oh, fuck it. Wait, so is, that, is that the one with the, the big guy in the hotel? I'm going to end it now. No. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Kai's going to lose our subscribers on YouTube. (laughs) We've got to go. We'll be back on Sunday for hopefully some bonus Millwall wins to talk about. So don't forget to look out. We're going to be doing two live shows in November to talk football shirts from the 80s up until modern day. So make sure you subscribe because when we put the notifications out that we'll be going live um, for two Fridays back to back, you won't miss it. So, uh, yeah, make sure you there do you that. Go. Subscribe to the YouTube. That's it. Kai, I can't That's believe That's the end of the show. Yeah. Don't, if, if you want us to get rid of Kai because he doesn't know who Only Force and Horses are, what Only Force and Horses is, it's fine. We'll, we'll sort it out and just let yeah, us know no what worries. you want us to do. So, back soon, guys. Cheers. technology should help your organization run better. Monday.com is an intuitive platform designed to help teams of all sizes work better together and maximize results. With Monday.com, you can easily customize your workflows to fit your team's exact needs and create automated updates to keep everyone up to speed in real time. 
Experience the power of a single platform that replaces your costly tech toolbox and the headache that comes with it. To start your 14-day free trial, go to monday.com. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. He feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.